What is going on, guys? And welcome to another episode of the Lean 365 podcast. Today, we've got another special guest and a really special one. So we've got Dan Drummond, who reached out to me um, on Instagram recently. Really cool guy, another coach. And I thought I had a really special story to share, a little bit different to some of the other guests that we've had on. Um, I think we'll make a really, really cool episode. So Dan is a recovery transformation coach, works a lot with males. Um, and I'll let him kind of explain a bit about his niche, what got him into coaching, and uh, basically his story. So without any further ado, Dan, give us a bit of an understanding of, I guess, how you got into coaching to start off with. Well, Chris, thanks very much for having me. Um, yeah, uh, gosh, is this going to be lucky number 13 uh, years in coaching as of uh, December, actually. Um, so, yeah, I always played um, uh, rugby from a very young age, went to went to, uh, went to to boarding school and got kind of introduced to it. And, you know, played at a decent level, was always there or thereabouts, and been like, right, how can I get better at it? Um, was always a tall, lanky beanpole from a very, very young age, you know, been about 6'3 from about the age of 13, which was great, but... Obviously, when you grow a little bit, uh, grow a bit older, everybody seems to grow up with you. And you're like, right, well, how can I incorporate getting better at this game? And it was obviously getting stronger in the foundations yeah. of a little bit of size as well as agility. I think it's the same as me, actually. Like, I feel like a lot of coaches, if you get on there, like, they always start in the same way. It's like playing rugby or playing football or like doing athletics or something. And yeah, I was kind of the same. Like For me, like to be better at rugby, it's almost like, well... If you're faster and if you're bigger, then you're probably going to succeed, especially when you're younger. Like if you're just big and fast, you can you can get pretty far in rugby. But I think it's when you start to get a little bit older, you can actually, uh, yeah, you need to be a bit more technical, right? Yeah, 100%. And I get to, I think it was just sort of like 16, 17 and um, had a bit of county trials. And then I was, you know, very, very, if, if anything, below average size. And I was like, right, OK, I'm, <laughs> there's only going to be one winner here. And I was like, right. So um, my dad's pretty into his fitness as well. So I read a couple of his, uh, you know, like men's health and men's fitness. And, and then was like, right, before I knew it, I was taking a couple of those programs to the gym to train for. And then uh, before I knew it also, like after doing some prep in the evening, um, I get a couple of knocks from the door from a couple of lads in my rugby team and said, oh, Dan, are we going to the gym? And I was like, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, and then that kind of slowly moved on to, to university as well, which was, interesting and I actually didn't do I did a hospitality degree because I thought I thought I wanted to go down but still played a good level of rugby and then I was like well geez I, I quite like coaching people and training people because one um, you know my knowledge was always pretty good it was something I was really interested and excited in and you know the nutritional side of it even being at uni and um, consuming far too many calories of um, wonderful snake bite or other yeah. grotesque uh, <laughs> variations that's the best part of you isn't it I, mean, I remember those days so much so much fun the snake bites yeah mm. we that mm. horrendous i mean yeah just you just wanted to make sure you wore nothing white and uh, that's for sure <laughs> uh, but it's um and i was like right okay so you know kind of like post uni um i did you know still was still in the hospitality kind of uh, game and i was loving it worked at you know, some fantastic weddings and Twickenham and um, Wembley and what have you. And I was like, hang on, I've got no time to train, <laughs> eat properly, because I was just eating leftovers of some wonderful canapes or go to rugby training either. I was like, oh, well, this isn't very fun. I mean, the, the broad skill of it, of being like, oh, right, I'm at an England game at Twickenham is fantastic. But <laughs> not when you look, you know, look at your, your belly at the end of the weekend and go, Christ, I've consumed far too many... Uh, canapes and uh, leftover bits of champagne 
<laughs> yeah, I can imagine. No real balance there. Um, and then I was like, right, well, let's investigate doing my um, a personal training course. So I did one premiere, uh, gosh, yeah, almost 13 years ago. And um, started in um, the wonderful Fitness First in uh, in London Bridge. Um, and nice. um, yeah, geez, it was an eye-opener, but it's a great way of knowing and understanding of you don't really uh, from being in the classroom for sort of what was it then three months and already having a good base knowledge of, of obviously training and lifting and anatomy physiology very very quickly in the deep end of obviously trying to build a business at the same time of getting clients they don't really train, train, teach you that that's for sure no they don't it's, it's interesting yeah I, I think the personal training course really isn't isn't that great especially when i did it i mean i did mine at union it was obviously a little bit better but um I, I think, yeah, I definitely don't think you learn enough about actually building a business and marketing and sales and everything really that, that comes to it. Like, I think that's what people sometimes forget sometimes. Like we're not just coaches, like obviously, you know, that, that's our passion, but we are also like business owners. We have to wear a lot of hats and learn how to, how to actually run an efficient business. And I think that does take time to develop, but there's no better way than doing it than actually hands-on experience. I think sometimes just being thrown straight into, you know, a gym like fitness first or whatever, like you just learn very quickly about what it is that's going to, uh, help you scale and, and build a business and become successful in coaching so it's, it's always a good way to start for sure yeah 100% and you know you get a rather large amount of rent other people don't quite understand this when I was coaching getting my first couple of clients they're like hang on you have to pay them to be here yeah, <laughs> so, uh, yeah basically to rent the space and That's they're like right man. okay right okay okay yeah I mean it was a baptism of fire it's literally straight in the out the classroom and straight in there but it really made you and give you that fire in the belly to be like, right, well, I've got to sink or swim it. Um, and then, yeah, which, which is fantastic. I was there for four and a half years and uh, built up a decent business there. It was great. And the, uh, the hospitality of, you know, chatting away to complete randomers and some, uh, some celebs back in the days and having a bit of um, Irish blood in me as well. When it never really, never really helped to uh, have a strike a conversation with someone. And then, you know, looking the part at the same time, you've got all the blend together, which I always thought uh, helped. Um, so, um, yeah, never struggled in that department, which was great. It's good. It's good. And then obviously now you're and then obviously now you're online or you're still doing a little bit of face-to-face as well, aren't you, I think you said? Yeah, a little bit on, a um, little bit face to face, just because it's kind of my bread and butter. But uh, yeah, majority now online, um, and uh, yeah, kind of you know, moving on to my, my my story as such. So it was yeah, sort of like October 2019. I remember being on the sofa and uh, um, uh, doing what most chaps do in the evening is uh, you know obviously watch a film and uh, <laughs> should we say politely just having a having a fondle downstairs, but just uh, you know. <laughs> Not, nothing too hectic that's for sure um yeah. and then i saw a post on on facebook uh, one of my mates actually i played rugby with at uni he said he found a uh, a lump on uh, one of his testicles and i was like mm-hmm. uh that like, what on earth did he put that on facebook for i mean that's pretty private um and uh i was like right read on and actually you know as luck would would have it um not luck in the slightest i had pretty much exactly the same it was literally just a uh if you kind of an imagine an acorn and then just lived a little bit at the, at the, at the end. It, it kind of felt like that. And uh, yeah, I was about a week away from flying to Japan to watch the Rugby World Cup in 2019. So I was incredibly excited and stoked. And I was like, well, it's a spot or something. So I'll just leave it and be a classic bloke and do nothing about it, which was, yeah, at the time, pretty silly. Uh, anyway, yeah. came back, had a fantastic time, went to go and see a consultant. And uh, they said, yeah, you know, suspected um 
malignant seminoma. So I was like, well, what on earth is that? Um, you know, my knowledge in anatomy and physiology from being a coach is pretty good, but not in uh, illnesses, shall we say. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was yeah, a little bit of a kicking. And then um, a couple of weeks later, they have a consultancy meeting and they basically just said that, uh, yeah, we reckon you've got um, testicular cancer, Mr. Drummond. And I went, holy shit. Um, so because what they can't do is they can't actually examine the actual testicle itself. What they have to do is um, they will excise it first and then they'll um, kind of study it just to make sure what it is. But they can, that's why, as my uh, surgeon very uh, kindly and you can tell when people have certain ways of saying things, that's why, that's why most people in the world have two, two of the same thing, Dan. And I was like, yeah. what, because you've always got another. Went, oh, that's such a wonderful way of putting it. Anyway, um, so look, I was incredibly lucky and caught it very, very early and it was fully excised. It was stage one. Didn't have to have any chemotherapy, which was very, very lucky. And, mm. and I just go for checkups every three months. But obviously, you know, given it's end of November and, you know, it's creating some awareness, there's no particularly good time or bad time to create awareness, but November being November and variations of it. Um, I thought I'd come on and, and just help. And, you know, both of our audiences seem to be quite male heavy as well to sure. you know, just be able to talk about it and have a conversation about it because it's, you know, it's obviously very important stuff. Definitely, mate. That's a, that's a really big share. And, uh, you know, it sounds like you've obviously overcome it and, um, and got to the other side of it. Like, what was your, I guess, what was your like, initial reaction when the, the doctor or consultant said that to you? Like, what was the first thing that went through your head? Like, did you just think for the worst or did you just straight away, like, try and kind of see hopefully through it? Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of um, very colourful language going through my head at first off because you know, no one knows really know how to uh, <laughs> how to accept it. But I mean, I think it was yeah, it's more shock. I think is if anything of just being like right. Well, I was you know thirty four at the time, uh, worked in health and fitness for you know ten years, always been pretty healthy apart from my you know um, uh, university antics of having far too much uh, snake bite and what have you, and never really having any. Um, history of any illnesses in the family to do with cancer either and if it was it was you know very very minimal so nothing really you know genetics or hereditary and being like oh it's almost a formality sometimes um, and I was like well you know what why I think there's three things that always goes through your head I was speaking to him um, he's now a client of mine really good friend of mine uh, it's like why you first off you're like well how, am I, how have I deserved this um, then there's the obviously the pure principle of the the big horrendous c word the cancer word and then the third one of just being like right now what is it spread that's the big one obviously um yeah. and then number four almost is you know you've got to have your orchidectomy which is a uh, a very um it's the technical term of having your uh, um testicle removed now well a lot of people obviously don't realize when we're talking about anatomy now they actually have to go through your abdomen and as opposed to your scrotum which uh is incredibly painful and if you've got you would find your abdominal wall obviously over the years can be quite uh, dense and thick. It obviously supports and um, protects a very uh, large part of your uh, anatomy as well. So I think it's one of those things that you can, um, the, the recovery of it after being it to sort of like a four or five inch sort of slice in your abdomen is, uh, is yeah, it was a real, you know, mentally and physically very, very sore indeed. I can imagine. What what was the re recovery process with that? Then, so like, did that take you out of of training for a while? Like, could you walk, or were you, were you pretty like pretty sedentary for a while after that? 
yeah, I mean, I've maybe it's probably my uh, my, my downfall is uh, you probably get my demeanour and, and what have you. It's, it's very much a I try to have a, an all systems go approach as best I can because I was running, I was working for a um, a gym in uh, in Mayfair at the time and running a team, and uh, I was you know help, helping coach trainers beneath me and helping running their business within the gym. And I was like, right, I'll have two weeks off. I'll be absolutely fine. And I mean, it was bloody sore. Uh, uh, I won't be too descriptive on this one, but obviously going to the toilet and uh, coughing, laughing, burping, anything like that was incredibly, incredibly sore indeed. So I tried to, you know, lay on my back. It was then obviously just trying to, I got no real help from or advice from uh, my surgeons either being like, look, I'd start to build up your gradual steps of a thousand a day past, you know, step for as uh, day four or, you know, stick to very fibrous meals because obviously that will help with digestion and just the comfort of it. I definitely recommend, you know, reading books and doing some breathing exercises, for example, to deal with the anxiousness and, you know, all that yeah. top, top energy that's not being expanded, expended anywhere. So yeah, it was bloody tough to be honest, mate, as um, a real eye opener. And I was very much a, you know, uh, felt like a um you know I, I was kind of on my own for a bit um even though i had yeah. friends and family around there they just didn't really understand what i was going through which was tough mm. i get that what was your sort of like how did you cope with your mental health like, did you have any sort of ways in which you you kept your head in head in the game or did you kind of struggle in some days i'm sure you did struggle of course you would have but i mean was there anything that in particular that you did that felt like it you know was working kind of thing yeah, I think it's it's a very classic. My my brother, my uh, family even sometimes say they'll say I'm a, I'm a classic stoic. Uh, I'll very much uh, be like, well, it's my problem. I'll deal with it, kind of thing. And yeah. it's a very uh, it's quite a selfish view of uh, actually thinking of things. I mean, probably you know being at boarding school for a very large amount of years, and it's just like, well, no one's really out to help you apart from you know maybe a couple of coaches or teachers that just uh, you know take a liking to you just because they see your potential. So I was, you know, my flat in Bassey on my own and being like, right, I'll call up my brothers or some friends and just have a quiet chat, but not enough, really. I think that's really helpful because they can go, how are you? You know, but they're not, they don't really know how you're going through it. So um, I've reached out to a couple of two friends of mine, one who had um, exactly the same as me and another chap who had um, Hodgkin's lymphoma uh, as well a couple of years ago, both fully recovered, which was fantastic. And they actually had it worse than me and had um, chemotherapy. And they just said, look, it sounds ridiculous, but you just got to have a really positive attitude that you're absolutely fine now. You'll get your results back. It was fully excised. You've got nothing to worry about. And I think a, a term that I've very much come to grips with now that a lot of people... Um, always seem to do regardless if they've had the, the same crappy illness as me or anything else is people are always worried about a future that hasn't even happened yet so you're like <laughs> which is which is bonkers um i was worried about yeah about essentially nothing so it's, i think getting your head around that first off yeah yeah so like I, i've i can't remember exactly the statistic but I, something ridiculous like 80 percent i'm probably gonna butcher 80 percent 90 percent of the thoughts that we consume and we think about on a daily basis is stuff that never happens never happens so like all these worries that we have and i'm the same i'm the biggest worrier ever around like business or like personal stuff sometimes and you know, i just overthink things and the reality is like these things never really happen obviously some things do but 
most of the things we actually really deeply worry about, they don't happen. So I think it is just having that strong mindset, isn't it? And like, obviously it's, it's normal to be, to be stressed. It's normal to have anxiety, I think, I think at times, but really like we, we need to try and try and stay strong and, and, and probably be in that realization that a lot of the shit we're worrying about is probably never actually going to happen anyway. So, but in your situation, I understand that there would be a lot of, of worry and a lot of scarcity for sure with, with something like that. So I can imagine it was tough. 100%. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's yeah, absolutely. Sure. I think what a lot of people is you um, is they don't um, they they don't they don't kind of sit with it a bit, and it's like it's okay to be worried. You don't have to you don't dine out on it and think of it for weeks or weeks weeks upon weeks, but it's okay just to kind of accept it for a bit and be like, right, okay, I'm having a bit of a crap day. How can I make tomorrow better? And be like, right, okay, I'm going to try and do you know a couple of thousand steps of a walk, breathing exercises call a good mate of mine or a family member and it's, it's not exactly rocket science and surprisingly <laughs> when you do so you feel an absolute hell of a lot better um so yeah it did and then i actually reached out i got um, offered some um, existential psychotherapy from uh mcmiller cancer research as well as part from the nhs which again like a classic stoic bloke i went nah i'll be fine and then i started reading up a bit more about it because i had a lot of time to to kind of think about it and yeah it was a absolute game changer absolutely lovely um italian lady that uh, just made me really understand and question you know you have those questions in your mind that um can make your brain a little bit toxic and she just kind of completely reverse engineer them and be like you're you're worrying about things that haven't even happened <laughs> yeah. so you yeah, can't do it so uh yeah it's, it's, it was a game changer for me for sure yeah it's awesome. Again, like, like I say, it's a big share. I'm sure a lot of people are going to, um, I guess, take a lot of value from that. And um, and yeah, like, so in terms of the, the sort of clients that you coach then, um, do you work with people in a, in a similar kind of uh, situation to what you were in, like in terms of like, overcoming adversity, people that maybe struggling with their mental health? Like, is that the kind of people that you've, you've taken a, a kind of a, a turn to now in terms of the coaching role? Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, um, I think it was initially, it's only in the last sort of like four months. So essentially I, I classify myself now as a, as a men's specialist recovery coach and I help men recapture their masculine confidence post their orchidectomy. So I I've always feel like now, I, I, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, I want to give something back and had quite a lot of imposter syndrome first off when trying to, you know, a lot of coaches maybe just don't really have quite a niche. They try and help everyone, which I find um it's a service really to be honest i think it's sure. if you're really trying to help someone then you've got to try and find a particular niche that you know i'll take the positive out of a negative and be like right i've had this crappy illness but then now i know i've come out the other side and i'm all good how can i then help coach other chaps in my situation and get their build up their confidence and help recapture them and help them you know not go through the same uh sort of like uh you know, potential sort of hurdles that I came across, shall we say. Yeah, I think that's the difference between generalists and specialists. So, like you say, like a generalist coach, it's, you know, you don't really have a, a niche you're working with. You're not really clear on the type of people you can help. But I think when you really dial into that area, you become a real specialist. Like for yourself, obviously, having gone through that, you've now got the experience and the knowledge to be able to coach someone not in the exact same way, but, you know, overcoming a period of adversity 
going through a potential illness, but you know, even just really struggling with their mental health. I'm sure there's, I know there's loads of, of, of guys in that boat, of course, that, that do need the, the help in which I'm sure you provide. Um, what was like the, the biggest thing that kind of changed your life in terms of exercise? So obviously like how did getting in the gym or, you know, exercising in general, how did it kind of help you overcome some of the stuff that you faced? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people can, I still, I mean, I still coach people that just obviously just um, other chaps from uh, just wanting to lose a couple of kilos and, and just help regain their confidence as well. So I think it's obviously that's the niche. And then it's it's amazing how, and also that a lot of people can kind of suffer with the same sort of issues with self-esteem and confidence and, and mental health, well, you know, not issues, just things that they can kind of work on in order to progress that. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's it. It's everybody knows in the simplistic form that how much better they feel after a walk, after a a little bit of a jog or a little workout, and it's just that endorphin rush that a lot of people I find just sometimes they can't if they're injured or um, overcome a post post surgery. But I think it's most of those things you've got to almost visualise that sensation. I don't know about you when you when you when you train now, um, but. You know, yesterday I woke up feeling pretty dusty. Didn't have a greatest night sleep in the world for no other reason. But <laughs> I don't know. Looked at my phone too long or whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And you, uh, you just like you almost visualise that great um, endorphin rush after coming out of the shower and just being like a mate. You know, just you just feel like a king, don't you? Um, exactly. So I almost visualise that sensation after of being like, and then when I'm going through the crappy time of the workout or the motivation of trying to get myself in order to, you know, put my kit on, get my tunes on, get my warm up done and start going at it. So that's why I try and help with my, my, my clients as well now and the people I coach. It's a bit more visualization of having that sensation you're gonna have after, whilst during and before. Does that make sense? Yeah, one hundred percent. Definitely I think visualization is, is huge, isn't it? Like actually really thinking about that desired outcome um that, that you want to achieve. But yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, I think exercise is it is the biggest cure, um, you know, drug for for depression, for anxiety. I, I generally do believe that. I, I know everyone's got a completely different stance on on you know obviously on their mental health. I'm, I'm not a specialist in that area, but I believe for a lot of people to 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 kind of overcome a lot of things that they face, that just by generally getting in shape, building a strong body, exercising, burning calories, like all, all that stuff will help so 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 much like i just think that like that is your best cure it's interesting that like, I, I listen to um lots of people love him lots of people hate him but uh, i listened to an andrew tate like little clip and something he said which really really i i definitely resonated with with this particular thing he said and he mentioned that uh, he had like a guy that emailed him or something that, that basically said he was going to kill himself he said he was like, really depressed going through lots of problems and um and Andrew Tate replied to him and basically said to him, like, look, okay, don't know what you're going through. I can't really, you know, help you in, in, in some ways, but just promise me this one thing. Get into, get a six pack, he said to him, get a six pack, email me. If you still want to kill yourself, I can't help you. So this guy literally plugged away, got into shape and he was emailing Andrew Tate, um, supposedly, and, and sending him progress photos and, and showing him how he was looking. Anyway, he got his six pack and got to the end and, um, basically said to Andrew Tate, he was like, mate, I feel absolutely amazing. Like, I don't, I don't have any of those feelings anymore. Like, uh, I feel incredible. I don't know what I was thinking. And then apparently, again, I don't know if this has been like falsified, but 
went on to become a professional bodybuilder and, you know, has transformed. And uh, I don't know how, like, how much that story's been fabricated, but I think the point is, is very, 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 like, it's, it's very good. It's, it's almost like showing the fact that it doesn't necessarily mean that a six pack is going to make you happy, but just by you exercising, just by you getting into shape, by you building a strong body, like you taking responsibility for yourself, I generally believe that will help you overcome any problem you go through mentally. Like, I don't know many people that, you know, have a strong body, have a fantastic health that, that struggle um, from a mental standpoint, you know, as much as people that potentially don't. So that was something for me that I was like, actually, no, I do understand that point. Is that kind of like uh, similar to what you would you would say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think um, I, I try and narrow it down for some of my clients as well when they're coaching them because, you know, exercise is very, this is a very, you know, broad uh, word, I suppose. And I think especially after, if it's an injury or it's, you know, people getting picking themselves back off the curb after you know in january if they listen to this and what have you or you know injury illness and then you know post obviously get back into a train after a holiday is it doesn't have to be a 10k run and a hour and a half you know horrendous sort of leg state for example it can be just broken down into sort of bite-sized checks and be like right i'm going to walk 20 minutes and listen to a bit of a podcast and come back it's a great way to kind of start blow the cobwebs off and people exactly. always see exercise or a routine or, you know, they see, you know, like your man um, who's speaking to uh, Andrew Tate of being like, right, the six pack and then them there. And they're like them at the bottom yeah. and then they see the six pack at the top of Mount Everest and they see bugger all in between. They're like, hang on, yeah. lads. <laughs> there are a lot of steps here and it's okay to be like, right, that's the goal. But if I just yeah. walk, you know, an hour each day and then just slowly, slowly build it up, I will eventually get there. It's going to take time and effort and sacrifice, of course. But I think, um, yeah, people just need to be able to know how to break it down in order to how to begin and just slowly, yeah. slowly just tick boxes of being like why they're doing this to just not motivate themselves. I think clarity is a better word, personally. Yeah, yeah, you've got, you've got to embrace the journey. I think, like you say, like if you just become very much like, you know, solely focused on the outcome, then yeah, it can be a bit of a grind. You know, you can sometimes start to question whether you're actually going to get there, and it just—it's sometimes just a little bit overwhelming. Like, especially if you you're sat here and you're thinking, right, I, I, you know, I want a six pack. Like, you can sometimes think, am I actually going to do that? But like you say, if you can really lock into the actual journey and start thinking about what are the what are the things and the processes that I need to do every single day that's going to get me closer to that goal, and just start to really enjoy it. Like, I think if you enjoy your journey and you enjoy being healthy, you know, you enjoy living that sort of lifestyle, then naturally the outcome is going to take care of itself anyway. You know, if you just become a person that has the traits that you want and try and kind of morph yourself into that person slowly, then eventually you're going to become that person. So you have to see it as a journey and not something that's just going to look an overnight success. Um, and like you say, literally you can start off by going out for a walk, you know, listening to a podcast every morning, just by doing that over time, like you're naturally going to start building up very, very good habits. You're going to start burning more calories and then naturally that's going to help you progress in lots of different areas. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's definitely important. Um, but without a doubt, I believe that building building yourself a strong body and a strong mind will help you get very very far in life, um, very very far. Like I've seen that yeah. clients often like they'll get started with us at Fit Lab, and it's you know it's very much towards maybe wanting to get a six pack or wanting to look good on a holiday and wanting to get in shape or whatever. But really, like what they actually find out is if they do get through their transformation, they get to the stage where they are in that position, then it's the it's the mental benefits that is actually like probably far outweighing the. The physical benefits because they feel so much better they're more confident they think much clearer and um, they're more successful uh in their work life so maybe they've got like a promotion like it was only the other day like, i'm gonna have a bit of a tangent but i had a client literally message me 
this picture of him in his like tuxedo and his suit holding up this award saying like, mate, I won the award. Thanks for the fitness advice. I was like, you know, it just literally like, again, it cemented that point in terms of like, if you look after your body and you get into a fantastic routine from an exercise standpoint, you start eating better. The chances are like things are going to improve in so many different areas of your life. You know, you're going to probably have a better relationship as well. Um, potentially with your kids, with your family, with your wife, whatever it is. So I think you just got to take responsibility, take that first step and, you know, let your life completely transform in all levels. Right. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, obviously like coaching, um, testicular cancer sufferers, obviously, you know, post is their, their confidence, but it's also like, you know, it's professionally when they get back to work. And I think it's obviously like socially when they go to see mates in the pub or, you know, back in their local rugby club, football club, whatever it may be. But yeah, hundred percent. It's, I think, you know, one thing for a lot of people and people don't like this word, but I think it's incredibly important that we're having a routine as well. I've been like, yeah. right. You know, I think that's when we first, you know, first chatted and we, we have checklists for certain clients and, you know, trying to get yeah. to a 10k, uh, steps during the day trying to get your protein goal in, um, trying to make sure that, uh, you know, at least you're doing, I don't know, three, three, three workouts a week, for example, um, yeah, yeah, for reading sure. a couple of chapters of book. No, not having a, any, uh, not looking at your phone after 9 PM or, you know, things yeah. like that in order to okay. make sure that you don't just go, Oh, sorry, I'm just going to get up today and do whatever I feel like. Cause that doesn't really work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need, you need rules. Like you need guidelines, you know, not, nothing too strict that like, you don't want to live in a box in terms of like, you know, if, if a crisp passes your mouth, it's, it's game over. You don't want to live in that all or nothing mindset. But yeah, I think you do need to live by by, by you know, good standards and good guidelines. And I think, yeah, having things laid out, which is I'm sure is what you do for your clients as well, like really mapping out what those processes are. So that like, we give all our clients what we call a transformation checklist. So essentially, like you just said there, you know, how many steps are we going to be aiming for each day? You know, how many, how much sleep are we going to be getting? How many liters of water are we getting? And I think if we just like map all these things out, or if we write these things down, it just becomes so much easier to be able to stick to it rather than just waking up and being like, fuck, I don't even know what I'm doing today. And this like reactive mindset, which is, which is really what a lot of people happens. Like you talk there about routine. I think that's so important. Like I don't think you need, you know, a really strict routine, like especially in the morning, people get a little bit carried away with how that might look. But I think that having a good structure in place is absolutely paramount to, to getting your results and making sure that even like the time of year we're in right now, where people naturally just seem to fall into a shit routine and, you know, the world cup's on as well. So a lot of the guys, this is this are probably thinking, how can I deal with that and Christmas? But again, it just comes down to standards, doesn't it? I think they're like, you know, yes, you can have a beer, you can have a takeaway at the weekends, you can go out for your work party, whatever, but you know, it's just not letting your standards slip completely and just writing off an entire month because otherwise you get to January and you're like, shit, I've, I've dropped the ball a little bit. So that's why we're here though, right? As coaches, we've got to keep our clients in check. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I read your post yesterday and uh, was it the, the, the picture of your facial expression, wasn't it? Uh, that was gold. Uh, I loved it. Um, and, um, you're completely right. I ran a, I ran a, I ran a challenge, um, um, and you know, just recently last week and, Everyone's like, why on earth? I was speaking to a couple of old uni mates and, you know, to add school friends and, you know, people I've worked with in the past in order to get them on there. So if it's, you know, it's, it was a, you know, a five day challenge to teach, um, chaps how to, well, you know, just some pretty standard sort of habitual sort of rules that I've got and just be able to teach them things like hand size portions and, um, just making sure that they can, if they've kind of fallen off the wagon a little bit to be like, right, this is a bit of fire in the belly going into December. And the amount of nice. people, they just went, 
what on earth are you doing it now for? It's almost December. I mean, you know, it's like the gloves are off and there's literally, you know, you see all those people go for Black Friday deals and almost like push over grannies in order to get TVs and stuff. Because it's going to get that ridiculous sensation of that's what they're... I was like, I don't remember people at the bars, you know, getting you in a headlock with a gun to your head saying you've got to consume your body weight in booze and fish and chips before you leave tonight for, you know, 25 days of the month. Thank you very much. You can actually have a little bit of a split, lads. It's okay. And you still won't feel like absolute crap the next day. This, this is it. Yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like when, when we get to this time of year when people just fall off, I think. Personally, for me, I think Christmas is absolute max. It's one week, really, isn't it? Like for, for me personally, I probably wouldn't even have it as, as a week. I, I would generally, I just enjoy one or two days of, of having alcohol, having food. And, and that's me. But think generally like most people would potentially would would be a week but like why that has to be an entire month which which is getting written off it it just it just doesn't make any sense to me and i think they're like really like if we're looking at long-term results and and having a strong body for life which is what we should all be aspiring for like why would you want to transform and and, and get in shape for 12 weeks or 16 weeks and then just go back to world ways after we should want to do something that's going to be with us forever and like if you're not in that mindset then that you're just going to struggle every single time we get to december you'll be like oh fuck like i've I've, I've gained all the weight back. I need to lose it again. And then it's just every single year you're dieting in January. Like there's, there's a lot of clients that we've got a fit lab that there'll be, there'll be some obviously will be dieting in January. Of course there will be, we'll be taking on a lot of clients that will be starting their transformation. But you know, we've got so many clients here now that, are, you know, they've done their transformation. They're, they're working into more of a performance phase. They're getting stronger. They, they've got the, the body they want, whether that's abs or whether that's a little bit fluffier, but you know, they won't be dieting as much in January that like they'll just be carrying on with, with their kind of current result. So I think that like, yeah, we really need to try and come away from that mindset of just being on and off with your fitness goals. It's not an on and off thing. It's, it's, it's a commitment. Like when you start a transformation, it's like, it is a real commitment to yourself of respect of like, right, you know, I'm going to level up my life here. Like, you know, I've, I've taken responsibility. Now I'm going to level up and I'm not going to turn back. And I think if you can get into that mindset, then you're going to be sorted for life. It's, it's not going to be this thing you fall on and off. I think that's the key. Yeah, I mean, I hear you, Chris, but I had a conversation with a good mate of mine uh, uh, from, from uni and he's, he's just starting a new job. And he just said, I, I know this is what you're telling me and I know this is what I should be doing, Dan. And I know a lot of people will be listening and be like, yes, Dan and Chris, I understand what you're telling me, but <laughs> it's not in one ear out the other. It's just still very, very challenging for them. So I think if anybody... Just goes, um, you know, they, they they might have to, you know, they might be the, uh, you know, the boss of a company, and they've got to be seen as that uh, that person or the newbie in a job role that they've got to be seen, you know, Mister 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 Fun, and that in their minds, you know, telling yourself certain stories, memes of being a little bit jolly and having a few beers too many and uh, eating far too much food, and I think a lot of people they just go right, they could do kind of write it off, but I think we just kind of stick to a couple of standards as you mentioned of, you know. Christmas party one day, you have your fun, and then the next day you're like, right, okay, try and go back to, uh, yeah, getting your 10k steps in, drinking an yeah, absolute yeah. shed load of water to try and flush out all those wonderful, uh, one wonderful nutrients in inverted commas, and then doing a little bit of a workout, uh, eating as clean as you possibly can, and trying to go to bed nice and early the next day. I mean, that is not rocket science, and at least if you don't, you know, put on loads of weight, you can at least try and stay at sort of an equilibrium over the month or, you know, a kilo or two put on by Jan. And then that's when you don't completely lose your marbles personally from uh, Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, that's another really, really good point. I think that like, it's just lowering the expectations. expectations. That's, That's the best thing. Like, 
all right, if, if we're not necessarily working towards fat loss in December, that is absolutely fine. But yeah, even just working towards maintenance, like can I just yeah. can I maintain my weight or can I end the month and just be one or two pound up? Like that that wouldn't be a catastrophic situation if we gained a little bit of weight. But like, I think that's it. Like, it's just this whole like fuck it mentality. Like that's what needs to be avoided. Like I think definitely have definitely enjoy, you know, having a few more beers, definitely enjoy having a bit of extra food. But just try and keep those standards in place for most of the time because the actual effect of having like one bad meal or even one bad like day, I, I'm reading this in a book at the moment, in terms of actual weight gain from that one particular bad day, even if you went all out, like it's, it's the, you will gain the like, tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bit of body fat that wouldn't even really be able to be registered. Like, and that's from a, a full day of eating. So like people kind of think that this one meal is gonna like ruin their entire progress. But in actual fact, it's really, really not. Like, you can eat a cheat day, I, I would never recommend it, but you're still not gonna gain much body fat. What does cause body fat is the constant yo-yoing and oh, I fucked it now, I'm gonna go fall off the wagon for three days and then getting back on it and then falling off it again. And, that, and that's what causes the problem. So I think if people just have that meal out, have that, you know, night out with their friends, enjoy it, have a few drinks, have a few beers, get up the next day, like you said, flush it out, you know, and, and just move on from that situation. There's not, there's not going to be an issue. But if that attitude is just carrying on and carrying on and carrying on, then, you know, and then people start to drop their training as well. So, you know, like instead of actually using the extra calories, maybe towards going to the gym and, uh, and actually still training hard for December, like people just think, oh, fuck it, I can't be asked to train. If I'm, if I'm not eating well, I'm not going to train well. And then like, energy balance just goes completely off <laughs> and weight just starts flying through the roof. So yeah, I think like you say, standards, not letting things slip, um, enjoying yourself for sure. I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't coach people that are like sort of bodybuilders or anything like that. I coach very much normal everyday people that want to have a social life. So I think I've, maybe lowering your expectations a little bit for Christmas is probably the, the key thing to do. 100%. Um, yeah, I think 100% people, the, the one last bit on that one is, is weighing, weighing oneself far too often. And I've got one client in particular who drives me mad. I try to try and do it like a weekly weigh-in and a weekly, um, you know, sort of like photos and weekly tape measurements just to kind of make sure that that's a little bit more of a visualization as we talked about earlier, as opposed to the scales. And just to give you a pure example, if I was to, as we both know, but just for listeners as well, how simple it could be. I told my client one of this, um, you know, if I drink a liter of water, I can go from 93 kilos to 94 within 30 <laughs> seconds and he was like what how and i was like that's just <laughs> that's just physics mate <laughs> so so if you've just come to you know from a big weekend and on sunday night or monday morning you've gone up three kilos i think a lot of people will go jesus i've got to completely restrict myself from monday to thursday to my christmas party then i'm gonna go absolutely berserk because i basically haven't eaten for three days because i put on these magic three kilos there's yes. essentially just water retention and then they just spend absolutely you know they just go the fuck it mentality when i they just so feel so guilty they're like well the guilt's spread throughout every single sinew in my body so i'm just thought well yeah, i don't yeah. care anymore and so yeah, please don't do that, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you've got you've got to take a, a more of a meme with your weight i think like t taking just a one-off weigh especially after a weekend is never going to end too well so we yeah we always instruct our clients to make sure they're, they're weighing themselves more regularly if if you know if we are taking scale weight which most of the time we are really um yeah cool so here's a question for you then kind of going back onto the top of the, of the podcast um 
obviously, you know, you've overcome a lot of adversity um, and, you know, you're in, a, in an amazing position now. You feel great mentally. What would be your biggest tip for a guy who would be, you know, maybe trying to overcome depression? Maybe they've had some, some bad situations in their life. Like, you know, what would be like something that you would you would say for them to, to potentially try and do to overcome it? For me, one thing that really helped um, doesn't have to be journaling of sorts, but it would be, well, two little things, if you don't mind. So it would be, one, to just literally get an A, A4 bit of paper and a pen and literally just write down, just describe your feelings, your sensations, what's annoying you, what you're enjoying, what's good, what's bad, and almost just kind of set yourself like a 15-minute, 10-minute alarm on your phone and just get all that crap in, out of your head and onto a bit of paper. And it's surprising how when you read it back of being like, you know, things that you're worried about that you can't control or you're about not th things that haven't happened yet. I've been like, wow, what that? I'm not worried about that at all. That was just in here and I just needed to extract it. So it's surprising how amazingly fulfilling and uh, rewarding it can be just to journal or just write all the crap that's in your head on a piece of paper to look at. I think that's one definitely one tip that hugely, hugely worked for me. Um, and also yeah. do not be a classic stoic like uh, I was beforehand and keep it all locked up. Call a mate, just say, look, meet for a coffee or just give them a call and just say, look, I just want to get things off your chest or a loved one or family member. And it doesn't have to be about what you want to talk about necessarily. If uh, you feel uncomfortable talking to them about uh you know what i went through for example because they they don't understand they just sometimes they if they're a friend of enough of you sorry if they're a good friend of yours or a family member and they care enough about you they'll listen to whatever you've got to say so and it could be hugely rewarding again just getting crap off your chest and out your mind and just being able to confide in someone don't you know fuel it all up it's like having all this energy from a weekend that you've consumed all these crappy calories and you you know it's in your body and you just want to exercise to release them release the <laughs> the demon yeah. of all this uh, all this crap in your mind and your body and when it's expended you know nine and a half ten times out of ten you feel so much better out of it yeah 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 that's it's like really really good advice and, and to be honest it's probably quite similar to actually what I, I would say as well i think the the journaling is huge um and since i've started doing that it's, it's helped me on on a huge level and i, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm overcoming any any real adversity but just like generally for my own mental health and just getting stuff on paper and being organized and it, it does make a massive difference i mean i mean i say that to be fair i, I guess i'm not going to go too much to the depths of my my uh, life in the last few months but I've, i have had a lot of changes for sure but like people know that um obviously coming out here into the buying stuff so for me, like actually really starting to, to write things down and write what's on my mind. And I actually did like a, um, uh, almost like a spider diagram and I put on there like Chris's plate and I just put like everything in the middle that, you know, every, like, sorry, like my plate in the middle and everything around it in terms of like, what is in here right now? What's in my head? What needs to get on paper? Um, and then actually after that, putting in like an actionable step of, of how I'm going to get this thing done. Um, and just by doing that, I was just uh, ticking off boxes every single day and getting getting things out of my head and getting onto paper. And it was absolutely huge. Um, and yeah, the second point as well, again, is, is a huge one. So what what they call it on um, on Total Mental Performance, which is like, a, I'm sure you might have heard of it, but it's essentially the, like a, yeah. a mentorship for, for online coaches wanting to improve their mindset. It's really, really good. And um, they essentially call it your boardroom. So they say like, you need to have a strong boardroom of people around you that you can you know, go and go and reach to when you are struggling with certain things. So for example, this could be like, obviously like an online coach, if you've got one, so someone like ourselves, like our clients would be able to go to us. 
obviously your friends, you know, your family, like, I don't know, your fucking accountant, like wherever it is, like any of those sorts of people in your life that that can have value towards you. I think having that network of people around you that you can then reach out to um, is is absolutely huge. So yeah, you definitely don't want to probably try and tackle these things by yourself. I think writing it down, talking to people, I think that that's going to help you overcome these problems, isn't it? Like you're always going to be able to get through them in a much better way. That's really good advice. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. It's a yeah. final comment on that. Sorry, as a, as a classic, you know, as a coach, you owe it to your clients, if not to yourself. If you're not in the best mental headspace, or you think you are, then you're not going to offer particularly good service to the people you're trying to coach as well. So, if you can make yeah. sure that everything you're sorted out yourself, and you've done the best you can in order to be, you know, obviously mentally and physically, then mm. obviously you can then be able to confide and also just understand what. Um, you know your clients are struggling with as opposed to oh yeah just eat your portion size and go and uh, go for a walk and you'll be fine you're like no no no, hang on there's a reason mentally why you can't do all those things so it's got to be very you know very important to you know find out those things for yourself often for for them and see if it helps them as well because you know that's that's what we're here for (laughs) 100 that's the difference between a good coach and a an average coach, I guess, like understanding your clients on a much more personal level and actually getting to the deeper roots of their problems instead of, like you say, just giving them some standard blanket advice of, yeah, like <laughs> eat more protein, but I can't. <laughs> yeah, I, I know yeah. what you mean. Why, like, why should like, I? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, but find out what, why, why are you not eating you know, protein? What's the problem? Like, you know, are you, are you not having enough at breakfast? Are you not getting enough? breaks in the day you know like you're not preparing your food like we need to try and always find out a why behind why something's not happening i think yeah i think that's probably one of the the biggest things we can do as coaches um right let's end the podcast on a question i always ask all the guests um essentially if you could just narrow it down to and this is a hard question because there's obviously so many things you could talk about but if there was one tip just one small or big tip that you could give to someone who is looking to get started on their journey and, and really get going, um, what would that tip be? Um, yeah, it's a difficult <laughs> one. And it's going to be a very, 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 very obvious one for a lot of people, but I break it down. It's start. And I think a lot of people yeah. just wonder where on earth to be. Where's the, where's the start line here, mate? What do I mm-hmm. do? You know, just, just begin doing something. I mean, if you want to teach, you know, obviously, um, chat to one of us after then obviously that's a good way to start off well but if you're like yeah, completely yeah. new and i don't know you want to be able to do 100 press-ups you know try and do five you know if you want to be able to get a six-pack start by doing a couple of crunches well we know it's all not there but obviously just making sure <laughs> that it's uh, you know you're just yeah, writing yeah. down so common common myth obviously um i've been like right what am i actually eating am i really helping you know just like writing down exactly what they're they've yeah. eaten for the day like oh i had jesus two apple danishes from Pret and four lattes and a curry with four pints of Guinness in the evening. Mm, yeah, maybe that's not going to help. So if you start by realizing what you, where you want to go and how you, where you are at the moment, then you can very quickly establish where you should go. Yeah, I love that. Self-awareness. I think that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Like understanding your current daily habits and what needs to be improved. Sometimes it's not a question of completely changing what you're currently doing to this thing that you believe is better, but just actually looking at your current lifestyle and thinking, how can I improve a little bit? Like, what, what is there that I can do this better? Yeah. And like you say, just getting started, like just stop procrastinating and, and just get fucking started. Even if that's now going into December, like there's no better time to, to kind of get going with it. Um, 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, mate, it's it's been it's been a pleasure. Like it's it's been a really really good episode. I think there's there's been huge amounts of value yeah. and insight into this. Um, as I say, it's a very like I say very different, but it's a little bit different to um, some of the other topics and stuff we've discussed in the past with other guests. And I think it's, it's a huge share yeah, for you to come on as as well and um, and obviously talk about that. And I think it's probably going to raise a lot of awareness to the listeners. And I'm sure there's going to be some some guys and girls potentially listen to this that um, hopefully will resonate um, with, with what you said. So. It's been a pleasure to have you on. Um, where can people find out a little bit more about you, Dan? Yeah, sure. No, thank you very much for having me, Chris. Yeah, um, yeah. They can find me on Facebook, Dan Drummond. Um, they can also find me on Instagram. So it'd be Dan Drummond underscore Coaching as well. You'll find me there. You'll find me on LinkedIn as well, uh, Dan Drummond. And uh, yeah, um, I, I think as you know, you raise a good point. As also from talking to um, my parts of my family my mum my sister and obviously people that have been uh, affected by it as well like in terms of whereas you know, being able to confide and obviously us lads being classic stoic sometimes sometimes I'd, you'd have to speak to someone's partner or girlfriend or what have you for them to realize to be like right okay actually I've had a couple of uh, ladies approach me about doing some coaching for their for their loved ones because they're just not in the right headspace for it so it's I think it's very important even if it's just a self-checking thing and the amount of my girl mates of just being like, right, have you asked your husband to check himself? And they're like, no, he'll never do that. And I was like, well, you know, th th were you, one of your best mates that I was an usher at your wedding had it three years ago, so it could very easily happen to him. So if you could do me a favour, that'd be really good. And they're like, oh, wow, amazing. Okay, cool, I'll do that. So, yes, a long way to an answer of doing that. <laughs> no, no, 100%. It's, no, no, it's 100%. a really good point. It's clearly people need to be more aware of it and – you know what it's even it's even it's even put some awareness into myself as well maybe i need to uh to be more checking checking more <laughs> um, 100%. No, it's, it's, yeah I, yeah it's, it's better having yeah, that yeah. Sort of peace of mind and just knowing knowing that you haven't got it as opposed to if you do and you know god forbid it could spread and what have you so yeah better off knowing than not yeah 100 percent well, mate, thank you very much. It's been it's been an absolute pleasure. And guys, if you have enjoyed this episode, then um, please stick it on your story and share it and tag myself and Dan. We'd much appreciate it. Um, if you're enjoying the podcast, make sure you're subscribing and following for future episodes. Drop me a five-star review. I'd really appreciate that too. And uh, I'll catch you in the next episode.